first to see you, hear of you. Father, I just pray that you would minister to each one of us in a unique way, in a special way this morning. We know, Lord, that we are undeserving. We know, Lord, that we are sinners, and apart from you, we are stuck in that sin. Father, we rejoice in the fact that you love us, loved us enough to offer your own son, Jesus, to suffer on our behalf, to pay the price that we could not pay for our own sin. And now as we have a few moments in the busyness and hecticness of another week, Father, we just pray that you would draw people unto yourself, that you would be glorified, that you would remain the focus this morning. Lord, I personally just plead for help and guidance, that you would give clarity of thought in mind and speech. We ask this now in a strong and powerful, wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. And amen. And amen. Okay, there's one verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. The latter part of that verse, there's a phrase that really holds the theme of the entire book of Philippians. It says this, for your progress and joy in the faith. Which means what? If you are 8 years old or 88 years old, if this is your first day in church or you've been here for the last thousand days, we are still all in progress. That God has not given up and will not give up on any one of us. We know as well that God has a desire in the progress that we are on in life to, to not just move our way through the mundane, but to live with rejoicing and an inner joy. So far we've looked at this book was written, this is a letter that was written in the first century, about 60 AD. The author was the Apostle Paul. While he was writing this letter, he was actually under house arrest. He was being persecuted because he was a Christian. And you know, it's evident is that he still lived with a sense of joy. Matter of fact, the letter that he's writing to the, the saints at Philippi, Christians in, in another city far away, were also being persecuted, were also living in absolute abject poverty, and yet they too are demonstrating joy. It's like Paul in the Philippians knows something that a lot of us, especially many in this world, just don't know. That what? That joy is not dependent upon outward circumstances. If everything aligns perfectly, then we're happy. No, it's not that. That joy comes from an inward knowledge of God's sovereignty. That everything, everything that has happened in your life is for your good and for His glory. Everything. We have looked at the source of joy. What? We see that in verse 2. The source of joy is what? God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We've looked at the evidence of joy. And we see that demonstrated in the relationship that we have with others. Paul says this, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you, making my prayer in joy because of your partnership in the gospel. 
It's your connections and relations with other people that show or the evidence of what is happening in here is real. Today we're going to pause, as I said, in a very short verse and look at what I call the reason for joy. Direct your attention to verse 6 of Philippians chapter 1. It says this, the word of the Lord. Paul writes, and I am sure, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Two points I want to give to you this morning. The first one is this. You this morning, you this morning can have complete confidence in Christ. Paul begins with this. I am sure of this. Another translation, the New American Standard says, I am confident of this. Another translation says, I am certain. Now, if you just pause on that one phrase, if you consider your life and my life this morning, you and I can be absolutely certain, can be absolutely confident, absolutely what? Sure about very few things in life. We, we, we don't know. We have no idea for any one of us what literally is going to happen tomorrow. Someone made this statement yesterday. I am sure Penn State's not going to have a problem with Michigan State. Just yesterday I heard that. We have been praying. We have been praying for ones in Florida who have just been devastated with another hurricane this past week. Just last Sunday, some of them were able to say, what, I am sure I've got a house in Florida. Today they can't say that. You know, we, we, are, we are sure, we are certain of very, very little. Have you had someone try to sell you an insurance policy lately? Any kind of insurance? And, and you'll hear something like this, well, you can never really be certain. Been to the doctor's office and there's a new, new uh, medication out there. They want you to try this and they usually attach something like this. Well, we can never really be certain. Bought a car recently. It has been safety tested with every single feature to keep you safe. And then there's something like this as they hand you the keys. And just as you're about to drive out, well, we can never really be certain. Yesterday afternoon, I had the privilege, the privilege and honor to attend and pray at Jacob Reem, who is here today, ceremony as an Eagle Scout. The entire 108-year success of the Boy Scouts is based upon a motto that says what? Be prepared. Why? Well, you can never really be certain. That's our life. But this morning, check your watch, it's 9.50, October the 14th, 2018. I want to tell you this, and I want you to hear me very, very clearly. Upon the authority of the Word of God, not my Word, I am telling you that there is one thing, there is one person that you can be certain of, completely confident of. It's not my work. It's not your work. But you and I can be completely confident in the work of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and what was accomplished 
on the cross and in the tomb for you. We're not just, we're not just certain about the historical figure of Jesus. We're not just certain about the fact that he was what a great prophet, as some would say, or a, a great communicator, a great teacher. It, it's, it's even more than the fact that what there's more than 500 witnesses who saw Jesus crucified dead and yet also saw him alive after the resurrection. It's, it's even bigger than the one who has visibly seen. It's, it's the work that the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished. And we need to know this today. Why? Because of the testimony that our sister Diana just shared earlier this, this morning. And Jesus Christ himself says what? In this world, you will have trouble. It's not a shock or a surprise for any one of us. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. Praise God for that. He continues on in John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. We know that. We've perfected that. But take heart. I, Jesus says, I have overcome the world, which has overcome every heartache, every hardship, every sin that any of us have ever struggled in. And we need to be reminded about the certainty and the confidence that we can have in the work of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is a scary world out there. And many of us live what? Knowing that we have not a clue what tomorrow holds. We live with a, a, a sense of, of miserable fear. It, it grips people. Fear of the unknown. What, what happens if we get that phone call later tonight? Fear of tragedy, the unexpected. Fear of, of others. What if they say this? Or, or, or what if they, they make something up? People live with this. Yes, we're instructed to trust God. It's a short phrase. Just trust God. Just trust God. But, but there's a lot to it. A woman by the name of Trillia Newbell says this, and I quote, we don't, we don't trust God simply because someone tells us. We trust God because He is God. He is holy and awesome and righteous in every way. We can trust God because we don't serve a God who is only sovereign and wise, but He is also infinitely loving. Okay, we hear that and we say, okay, trust God, trust God. We don't have to fret or fear because we're confident in, 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 in Jesus. But specifically, what are we to be confident in, in Jesus having done for us? Paul says what? And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, began a good work, automatically, I was thinking like, what is the good work that God began? In my mind, I immediately went all the way back to creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It all began, what? In the beginning, God. But there's something as marvelous, as spectacular as creation is. There's something even greater. There's something that's even a better work than creation. And you know what this is speaking of? The good work that God has began in you is the work of salvation. And pause on that for a moment. Salvation is what? It's, it's knowing that, that we are sinners, 
Knowing that Christ died for our sin, paid the price for us, we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we live in full obedience, desiring holiness as he is holy. Well, what I have found this in my years in ministry is that salvation means many things to many people. That when you were eight years old and somebody said, Mama said, do, 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 you, do, you want to, do you want to go to heaven with Mommy and Daddy? Or do you want to burn in hell forever and ever and ever? What, what, what do you think the decision, what do you think that's going to? And so, so at some moment, someone little says, yes, yes, that's what I want. I don't want to burn in hell forever, so I want to be with you, Mommy, in heaven. And so that's it. And we live, in a, we live in a country, we live in a culture and a society that says, if you attend church, Christmas time, Easter time, maybe sprinkle in a few, then what? Then you're saved. There's something heavy. It, it, presses, it presses heavy on my heart. I need to tell you. I need to be honest with you. Because you raised a hand somewhere, or because you said, I, I, don't, I don't want to go there, like I don't want to burn in hell forever, that automatically makes you say that salvation is what yours. It's not true. It's more than that. Salvation is what? Salvation begins with an understanding that we are in desperate need, that we are sinners. Every one of us, as cute and cuddly as you may be, Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us must come to a place that we realize there's nothing in and of our own work that can save us. But we offer our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we surrender to him. And we receive him as Lord and Savior. And today, I believe one of the greatest indications of your salvation and my salvation is that you live every single day with a hunger for him. You read God's word and you close it and you want to open it up and read it again. You come to church and, 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 and you don't want to leave. You don't want to stop singing. I think salvation, I think there's an indication of salvation that says, I just, I want to learn more. I want to grow more. I'm thirsting for righteousness. Yet the sad truth is that there's a lot of people who would say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I go to church and you have no desire for the word. You have no desire to be in fellowship and relationship with the Holy God. We have to pause on this. We examine what Jesus Christ has done for us. He who began, that, that word began, it, it actually is used only two times in all of the New Testament. In both references, it's a specific reference to salvation. So what Paul is writing very specifically to the believers in Philippi, and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and I about this morning, is what? Be encouraged that God began the good work of salvation, which means it's his work, and it's not your work. There is a great misnomer. There is a great misunderstanding that, that my salvation, the saving of my soul from sin, requires that I must do something. And there is no work. There's no work 
that I can do. It's already and it's only through what God's Son, Jesus Christ, has already done. Yes, it requires an act of faith. But it's again, it's not faith in my work. It's not faith in, in your, your goodness. I like the simple definition of salvation that Warren Wearsby gives. Dr. Wearsby says this, Salvation is the good work that God does in us when we trust His Son. The only thing that's required is an act of faith. Trust. How, how hard is it for you and I to trust? Especially when all of us know what? The greater the value of something, the harder it is to trust. If you need a Bible, I will loan you a Bible. But I'm probably not going to loan you my preaching Bible. Sorry. I'll loan you another one. Why, this has value to me. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to trust you with this. Am I going to get this back by next week? See the same idea? You need someone that's, that's going to house-sit your home. That's going to require some trust. You, you don't want everybody digging through everything, so I want to trust this person. But yet it's totally different with someone to house-sit your home and someone babysit your son or your grandson, your daughter, or your granddaughter. Why? Why? Because the higher the value, the harder it is to trust. How hard is it to trust what? Someone with the only thing that you have that will last forever and ever, eternity. How hard is it to trust someone with your own soul? And so we say, no, 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 I'll handle this one myself, right? Yeah, I don't know about just letting this, I'll handle this one Myself, But you cannot, you cannot, you cannot do that when it comes to the work of your own salvation. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in another letter, as he writes to the Galatians, he actually rebukes them. He is strong with them. Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, he says this, Are you so foolish in love as a pastor? Think of that. He goes, fools! What are you thinking? He says, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Is there something that you personally, physically can do to be made holy and righteous? No. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Paul writes another letter to another body of believers. And he says, for by grace you have been saved. Here it is, through faith. There's that one thing. Through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Salvation this morning, we are confident, we know this, we're certain of this. Salvation is solely His work, which means it's not your own work. You can go to the bank with that this morning, in light of the fact that we don't have a clue what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds tomorrow. Secondly, what? You can have confidence in Christ first, but secondly, what? You can be made complete through Christ. Made complete is what it says. At the day 
of Jesus Christ. New American Standard translates it, um, you can be made perfect. Now let's, let's, let's deal with the first word, complete. Go to any, any one of our homes, okay, go to a basement or a closet, and you're going to find what? Boxes of puzzles that you have started to put together. Someone lost a piece, and the whole thing just kind of goes to pot, right? Go to any person's wood shop or anyone's workshop. Go to an art studio anywhere, and you will always find what? Unfinished projects and pieces, half made, half completed. Why? Because the craftsman, the craftsman lost interest. The artist lost vision. So that it's left. You get kind of worn out and bored with this project. Let's move on to another one. They get distracted. And, and that which was started with such fervor. I built a birdhouse one day, and it was like it was like the greatest idea of like a two-story birdhouse that never really got finished. Who cares if birds have a second story or not? And that's like our, our lives. Not so, not so, not so with the work of God. Not only is his work complete, but what? There's this idea of perfection. Again, you and I, we, we live, what? We live in an imperfect world. And, and whatever, whatever we do, it seems like we, we mow the lawn, and I love the lines nice and straight, and yet, that, yeah, but there's a clump of dead grass and some weeds over there. You sweep the house, and everything's perfect, and you sit down. Who missed that spot? You clean some windows, and it's perfect. And then you look at it from another light, and there's smudges on it already. But completion and perfection, not in our work, is what? It is proof that every single aspect of salvation is by God's sovereign will and choice. Ephesians chapter 1 says it like this in verse 4. Let me back up to verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Do you realize what is being written here? Before the foundations of the earth were set, before the beauty of the stars flung the faraway for the beauty of the sun that sets and rises and the beauty of every mountain and the beauty of every wave crashing along every single beach before all of that God said that he chose you and he chose you what? to be holy some of you are floundering in life right now some of you are just here just, just I, I don't know what else to do I don't know where else to go I want to encourage you this morning that you can be confident in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he will complete it in the day 
of Jesus. The day of Jesus mentioned several times. We don't have the time to look at it, but it's a day when Christians will finally be made perfect and glorified. So we are what? We are in progress right now. We're in the process of sanctification, but there's a day that's coming, a day in Jesus Christ, when we will be completely glorified. Different from the day of the Lord, a day of, uh, of judgment, a day of reckoning, a final day. But there's hope for us. Let me leave you with this. It's very, very easy for us, I know. It's easy for us in times in my own life that we can struggle with doubt or even fear or uncertainty about tomorrow, about our future. Some of you live, even at this very moment, in uncertainty about your own soul and your salvation. Yeah, I, I raised a hand years ago but I don't hunger for him. Hold tight to the truth this morning. Hold tight to the truth. It comes directly from the word of God. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. James chapter 1, verse 18 says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You see, realize the beauty of that, that with everything that is in this world, God has chosen you to be what? Presented as a first fruit, holy and blameless. There's no need to live with a sense of doubt or fear of uncertainty. We know as well it's very, very easy for us to be discouraged with our own lives or feel diminished or even deflated. When we, when we examine our own life and we realize all the problems that we have or the pitfalls or shortcomings or sins. Standing before you this morning, I'm saying don't, don't minimalize our sinful tendencies, but don't fall for the lies that Satan whispers in your ear that says, I, I'm, just, I'm just no good. I'll never make it. I'll never complete or accomplish anything. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never really succeed in life. Such horrible lies. Satan whispers. Where you want to hold on to the truth. The reality that God has chosen you. And called you. And desires to set you apart. For your good. And far more importantly. For his glory. Trust Jesus to be your Savior this morning and make your life fully complete. Trust Jesus. Make your life fully complete. Rather than searching for some kind of an answer out there, that regardless of the timing that you, 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 you attain it, you're still lacking, you're still missing, you're still looking. Trust this morning. Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of your life. He will bring, what, your salvation to completion. Romans chapter 8 says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, declared righteous. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So trust that work. Trust the work that guards us from living in a constant sense of, of pressure and uncertainty and fear and doubt. And trust the truth of the gospel that replaces it with purpose and joy. So this morning, I invite you.
I invite you, if you have heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he has called you, I invite you to come and to talk to me. I invite you to come and talk to any one of the elders, the pastors, and, and, and we, we will be in the back. I want you to find someone, pull on someone's sleeve and say, I've heard about this good news. I've been searching for joy, but I certainly don't understand. We want to meet with you. We want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. I would encourage you to not squander this very moment. But listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you and calls you and draws you unto himself. Be sure this morning, do not quench the Holy Spirit as he leads you unto himself. I invite you this morning to be confident in the complete work of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we just thank you. I just thank you, Lord, for the hope that is given through Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for every single person that is here. And Lord, as hard as it is, I thank you for even the hard days and the hard things that you've allowed us to go through. Because the reminders that you're doing a work in us I thank you, Lord, for the finished work. Not our work, but the finished work of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the price that was paid for all of our sin at the cross. Today, Lord, is my prayer that every single person that is here, every single person that is listening to this message would know for sure that you desire that they can live confident that they can live complete, not because of their own doing, but because of your doing. Thank you for that. We love you. Thank you for loving us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, please, as we close? I was uh, just reading the scripture verse for this week. Uh, this is the, the closing song that came to mind, and I'll just uh, let it speak for itself. Marvelous grace of our loving 